Thanks for joining us for our conversation this week. I'm Amy Tokas, co-host with Sandy Lane. This podcast, we are talking about mean girls. What most people refer to as mean girl behavior is really relational aggression. Sandy and I discuss this type of bullying, recognize that it's not just the girls, and we share strategies to protect yourself. Always keeping it real. Thanks for listening to Your Real, Your Ideal. Enjoy the conversation. Well, hello, Sandy. Happy podcast day. Amy, happy podcast day. We've both been doing a little bit of traveling, so I'm not going to lie. I'm excited to see Amy's face and we did a little bit of catch up, but we have to stop ourselves because it's like, oh, save it for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I haven't seen you forever, but I feel like I'm reconnecting to everybody today because I've been sending out emails because I've been almost gone from Kansas City for about a month. I've had some spots here and there that I've been back, but for the most part, uh, not during the week. And so it's kind of, I was like, okay, I'm back. Let's reconnect. So, you know, all that, those coffee dates I shared that I did before I left. Amy, it's reconnecting with all those people. They probably thought you were ghosting them, right? (laughs) I know exactly. And for me, I don't want to do that. I felt how you felt when I got back from uh, Patagonia. I wasn't gone for a month, but I was gone for a solid two weeks. And then we were sick. We had RSV, so we were sick, or we thought we had RSV. I guess it's not confirmed or denied, but I was like out of commission for a month from being out with people. Now I'm just back from a quick visit to my parents, and I feel like I'm back to Durango normal is how, so I've got my my new vintage Nike shoes on, you know, what sweatshirt and shorts am I going to wear? The dog is walked. It's my, I'm in my Durango normal routine. And do you have a Kansas city? Yes, that's exactly. I do. And that's exactly what today feels like is it's like, all right, I am back into my routine. Like I walk the dog, I am planning dinner, you know, all this stuff that I haven't been doing for a month. And it's fun. Yeah. Okay. That's the fun, but I like the routines too. I completely agree. It was fun not having a routine and not having to think about dinner, but it's also fun to be back. And I should say, I'm not really planning dinner tonight because we have a great event we're going to, I'm so excited. We're going to see a chief's alumni because the draft is in Kansas city this week. Wow! And so there's a chief's alumni that we're going to, I know I'm super excited. So I've got to ask one question, <laughs> move on to the topic. And I love the fingernails, minor, minor Durango planting, um, but I'm going to wait yeah. till after all the planting and then get those done. But if I had an event, I'd be in. So my question is, was Tom so happy to have you back? Um, yes, I think so. He greeted me with flowers at the airport. So I oh, think he was happy. Sweet. How about Garrett? Was he happy to have you back? Yeah, because back to the routine, the point is, you know, the, and the dog was happy too, right? Is we get back into our routines yeah. and our spouses are used to us being part of those routines. And some things are sweet and back to the flowers. And there's other things that like, I typically walk the dog. I'm sure there are things that you typically do back to planning dinner that Tom had to fend for himself and absence does make the heart grow stronger. Right. Yes. I completely agree. All right. So today we are talking about mean girls and 
Um, we're actually talking about this relational aggression because I've kind of been looking this up. Um, mean girls is that we go to the movie and it's the term we use when people are being mean and bullying us and a girl and it's identified as girl, but that perpetuates that it's only girls because it does happen across all genders and um, it's just not women. So, uh, or girls for that matter. Uh, so anyway, this whole topic started because there was a situation that I experienced and I kind of mentioned it and then we we're like, well, let's dig into that a little bit more and talk about mean girls and this behavior and what we, how we respond to it, what it is, um, how we've experienced it and how we respond to it. And I would say we want to be politically correct and say it's all different genders, but there's a reason there's a movie called Mean Girls because it tends to be gender specific that for whatever reason, and this perplexes me, I don't understand that when confronted or that it's a knee-jerk reaction more so in women than men. I think more so in girls than boys. Maybe boys duke it out more. I don't know. You know, I'd love to have the discussion, but if I think if you were to talk to school teachers, they would say they deal with this type of behavior more with girls than boys, probably more petty than physical. Is that? Yeah. And maybe yes. I found that in the research. So that is one of the things that they said was that, um, girls tend to do a little bit more of the spreading of the rumors, the gossiping, um, but the ostracizing, which is part of it happens with boys too, where they get left out of things, mm -hmm. intimidation, verbal insults, you know, the, the name calling that's, that's pretty much across boys and girls from what, from the research I was doing. So with the research, does it say, and again, this is my experience with the girls. When I think of mean girls in situations uh, and examples, usually they're doing things on the side and on the sly, kind of like the movie, you know, we're going to feed her the power bars and have her gain weight and not tell her about it. It's not like I'm going to punch you in the face or I'm going to call you a name, but it tends to be more, these little situations behind the back and. Yes, exactly. And that was when I was reading through this, that was one of the reasons this is so hard to see and identify and stop because um, it's easy to see when someone physically shoves somebody right. like you can physically see that you witness it and you know, shoving is not acceptable but the ignoring of somebody that's a little bit harder to identify as being mean by ignoring somebody. So, um, that's Start why starting a rumor and trying to get to where it began, yeah. starting a conversation, getting a, uh, some momentum, negative momentum going, it's hard to finger. Right. It's hard to say right. that person started it. Yeah. So with, that is the part of the biggest challenge with this type of aggression is that you can't pin it on a person sometimes. And you know what I am going to tell you, my kids, I, I think I've been very lucky. I had one of my kids had a friend who was mean 
and, uh, you know, would comment on my daughter's outfit or how she did her makeup or, you know, just trying to be, she was just mean about it. And, um, I remember my daughter in tears one time and I finally was like, all right, you can't control what this person's doing, but you don't have to be her friend. You can control your response and your response doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to invite her over anymore. You don't have to engage in this. But, but then I was reading this and I was like, so is that the flip side of her starting to ignore and then being aggressive that way? Or is that protecting? So I was, I'm a little torn on how to understand <laughs> when this goes bad and when it's, not but how to deal with it because um i remember an example of work and i was very young it was one of my first jobs and i was in my early 20s and to this day i i have a guess but i don't know what it was but i literally had just started this job there was only a handful of women i tell you five women that work there maybe a couple that were older, my mom's age that worked in admin, but like of the similar peer group. And you always had to yeah. sign out when you went to lunch. And I started my first week at work. I saw they all signed out. They never asked me to go. And I thought, okay, whatever, you know, they've got their own group. And then one time I was in an office and one called another and she didn't know I was in the office and she made some real snotty comment about me. And I thought she oh. doesn't, and the other girl tried to cover it up and like, oh, Sandy's in here. And she said, oh, Freudian slip, or I, I can't remember what exactly she said, but my suspicions were real. They were having catty conversations about me and back to mean girls, you know, how do, I'm stuck with it because I work there. And in reality, what actually did happen was they got to a point of tolerating me because I didn't react in a way that was fun. I just didn't react. I went to lunch with the guys is what I did. I'm like, I'm not dealing with this. And I don't know what I did. And, you know, I want to progress in my career. And then more women were hired. And the more they were diluted, maybe it wasn't as much fun. I don't know. I think I worked too hard, honestly. I think I showed up and I think they felt threatened because I might look, make them look bad by working more hours or taking things home because I was very energetic with the new job, yeah. but it was definitely mean girls. And it wasn't like a friendship at school where you find a new group. You're kind of stuck when there's, right. you know, there's five <laughs> women you're working with and you really want to make a go at this job. But yeah, I, I, I'm guessing in retrospect, they probably didn't enjoy the fact that I made friends with the guys and I got invited with the guys. It probably put a little bit of water on their, I guess, fun. Would it be fun, Amy? Is it fun to be mean? I wouldn't think it'd be fun. Well, okay. So you touched on a few things that my research talked about. They were acting because they felt threatened. Okay. So that was probably, you were speculating that they might've felt threatened, which is typically why people um, have this mean girl mentality is they want to, uh, it has to do with their self-confidence and they want to put you in your place and they want to make sure they're above you. So they, they kind of come together and they're like, oh, aren't we great? Isn't this person this, and they're not part of us. And so they kind of separate you and then 
they elevate themselves and try to make you be less than them. So that was the first thing that you identified. But the second thing you said was your reaction was you just didn't engage. You moved on and you hung out with other people and you didn't give them the the energy, the response, because a lot of people thrive on that because they say it and they group together and then they want your energy and response and they want you to prove them right by how you respond and you didn't. And so that's actually the advice that everything I read was just be yourself, move on and don't engage with it. Which is sometimes easier said than done. And really at the time, did I really think it through? I was just like, what in the world? I think the motivation to want to do well at the job trumped how they felt about me. So I was more inclined to make the clients happy and the partners happy. So maybe I was a brown noser. Maybe that was the problem. (laughs) Well, maybe I was a perceived brown noser, which could have come across that way because that really, at the end of the day, when you're in the service industry, who needs to be happy? The clients. clients. Right. Exactly. But okay. So yes, you might've been perceived as a brown noser, but And I love that you called yourself out for that. But also you're there to do a job. And, and the other thing is you didn't go to that job wanting, needing friends. So my guess is you probably had a very secure and good social network already. So you didn't walk into that job thinking, oh, I need this group of women for friendships. I, you know, you already have that. You're at your job to do your job, which makes a difference um, on what you are wanting from that group of people. There's an interesting study, and I think we've talked, we've just noted this before that I've never really understood. Gallup talks about the top five things that make you happy at work. And one of the top five, and I tell you, it's in the top two is having a best friend at work. And that really? always struck me. Okay. So maybe we didn't talk about it here. That has always struck me as, I don't know, uh, shocking because it never has crossed my mind. I need to find a best friend at work. And I've always preferred to have my best friends. I like friendships at work and some of them have grown to deeper friendships and long-term friends, but I do the opposite. I seek best friends outside of work. I mean, does that surprise you that a majority of people want a best friend at work? Um, I think you can have best friends in all different areas. So that's what I'm thinking because I'm identifying when I worked in spaces, offices with groups of people, and I haven't done that for a really long time. But um, when I did, I remember identifying like my work best friend. Now they were not my best friend outside of work, but I did have these. Yes. And so they were my work best friends. Like they were my person that I would have lunch with. They were my person that I would um, commiserate with or celebrate with whatever was going on. They were my, that was my person but none of those people, well, one of them, I would say translated outside of work. Most of them stayed within work. Mm -hmm. And I think now that we're talking about mean girls and I give 
the other story. I can look at it with a different perspective. Maybe the opposite is you're not happy at work because you don't have a close friendship. So me being that person that everybody else hung out, it's kind of the flip side rather than saying, oh, people are seeking out having a best friend at work. They don't want to be alienated, not have somebody that they can truly count on in that capacity. They don't want to be alone. They want, they don't want to be alone. Yeah. They want to be able to, yeah. They want to have a friend. They want to have a friend. I think is good. So this weekend I was watching something. Uh, there's these two guys who started a podcast since we're talking about friendships and this is going a little bit off of the mean girl thing, but they, um, these two men started a podcast and I can't remember uh, what the podcast is name. I'll see if I can figure it out before and I'll put it in the show notes if I can remember, but they were talking about men friendships. And right now, apparently there is a friendship recession going on right now, which I was like, oh, I haven't heard this. And they said, because people are working more from home, they don't have those work friends. Um, they've learned to prioritize their family. So they're putting a lot of family in front of other activities and, um, they're missing these friendships. So one of the tips, which I thought was very interesting was to have three places. You need to be part of three places. One's home, usually one's work. And if you're not in a work office, you need to find a place that feels like a work home and then one other place so that you have this whole complete um, friendship opportunities. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So what happens when you work from home? Well, that was the thing. That's part of the challenge is they're like, you need to like me, myself, I was thinking about it. I'm like, I'm trying to find all these networking, these other people that work at home and have a little bit of, uh, you know, coffees or happy hours or whatever it is to get together and have those connections because there's other people in the same boat. And I suppose for me, I'd say it's two part. It's if I'm giving a workshop in person or speaking engagement. And then also with my volunteer work with that it's business related with the chamber and with um, the entrepreneurial society. Yeah. I, I show up for things. I show up for events. I have monthly meetings. I'm now president. And so I kind of feel like I'm going into work a little bit, you know, I'm <laughs> mentally preparing and there's a group of people that are part of that posse that we have our emails, we have our structure, there's structure to it. Yeah. The Mm -hmm. other thing they said to have good friendships, the number one thing you have to do is show up. You just have to be there. And I was like, well, isn't that easy? You just have to keep being there and being a part of their lives. When invited to something, you show up. We say that's easy though, Amy. I don't think it's easy for everyone. Cause I, I think, you know, I do a lot of things wrong. One thing I do right is I do show up. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to be there, but it shocks me the number of people that don't. And I don't know. So relational bullying, some things that signs of it, which were interesting is eye rolling, 
Do you roll your eyes? I've never been told I do, but uh, what I get in trouble for is not being a great listener, you know, or uh, blurting without thinking first, um, yeah. stopping a conversation. So I think I do it with my mouth and not my eyes would be my, yeah. how about you? Are you an eye roller? Um, I'm not an eye roller. Um, I am, I'm going to say that I, my, I glaze over, (laughs) I just kind of like, I check out and I read me like a book. And so like, if I disagree with something, I think it's stupid. You can just look at my face and say, "Mm," you know, so (laughs) you can tell, (laughs) um, so another piece of another thing that people do is uh, ignore giving the silent treatment, creating clicks, um, spreading rumors, gossiping, which, you know, we had talked about gossip a little, and sometimes it's good, but sometimes it's bad if it's hurting other people, um, intimidating others, cyberbullying. So this was the other one that popped up, which is new. I've never experienced cyberbullying at all. Very, Um, but I I mean, I've had a few things and I just delete them. Um, yeah. Um, and then removing people from groups, chats, whispering loud enough so the other person can hear. I don't think I've done that. I had, I used to do that to my dad quite a bit. It's <laughs> just my mom and I used to do it, but we would whisper jokingly and think that maybe he's going to hear. So it was a little aggressive. The whole thing about being invited in or out of groups, um, the, uh, do you remember, was there a book called Queen Bee? There's something about the whole Queen Bee syndrome that a lot of times, like back to, I'll say with Mean Girls, there's a Queen Bee and she kind of organizes her bees to follow what she's doing. And then you can create these groups and bring people in or out. And it's kind of, you got to understand who the Queen Bee is, right? And what right. the nature of the swarm. <laughs> but I had a situation where, and it's an adult, um, and it was here in Durango where, very early on, I was asked to be part of a group and I could tell who the queen bee was. And then all of a sudden they kept meeting and I was out of the group and I'm like, whatever. I just thought same thing. It's like, whatever, I'm too old. And you know, I sure like them. I, I don't know why. And then somehow I got invited again, but the queen bee wasn't there. And then the queen bee texts me and said, I feel like we're not getting along. Should we meet? And I'm like, I'm just doing my own thing here. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it was all, it was all posturing, right? Because if you really look at it, it was, she was finding that the swarm was saying, oh, we don't really like how this feels. And uh, yeah. And the long and short is she disappeared and created her new tribe. So I don't know. Oh, interesting. It, my, it is interesting, but when you back to the pettiness and try behind the scenes, it can make your head spin trying to figure this stuff out. Yeah, completely, completely. And that's one of the things that was repeated over and over is you cannot control what other people do or say, you can only control your response. Right. And that's, that is the gist of this. Um, I spent last week with a group of people who are in hospitality. And what I witnessed in this group was the most wonderful thing because they were all so nice to everybody. I just kept watching them and I was like, and it was 
it was genuine. They were meeting people for three days and some people were, you know, not excited. Some people were kind of crabby. Some people were super nice. Most people were super nice, but there were all levels of, uh, you know, is this going to be fun to meet? And one lady, she was like, oh, my arch enemy was there. And I was like, I never even noticed through the whole event that her arch enemy was there. So I was like, I'm like, they, they just really were genuinely nice to everybody. And um, it was really fun to see all these people getting along and playing nice and not being clicky because I have been around groups that are very clicky. It's hard to, and it's such a great experience to be centered by women like that. I'm assuming were they all women or not necessarily? Were they um, probably 75 cents, yeah. 75% were women. Yeah. But it's a good reminder because, because when you do encounter mean girls and it happens at all ages, I've got a, a group of ladies in the neighborhood that are like in their eighties and there's one that does things and doesn't invite others. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, but the experience and influence of those that are really great about being inclusive, about being kind, about defaulting to that. I think it helps So when you do experience the bad, the mean that you can just walk away and say, it's not worth it. You know, I'm not, and find those people that don't fall in that, um, that label, right. Or that don't put themselves in that label. Cause it's, it's a tough crowd. It is a tough crowd. It's hard. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the real and the ideal of mean girls. And um, so what's the real? The real is it's not always girls. It's also women and it's also men. It's people. We're using the term mean girls because we can all associate with it. So we're going to deal with people, as my husband would say, that are playing games for their own benefit. Um they're there and they come not just in, you don't walk away from it when you leave grade school or high school. And, right. um, you're going to have to deal with it. Right. I mean, I guess that's what, what do you think the real is? I think the real is recognizing that their actions are not really about you. And it's usually their insecurities. They're trying to elevate themselves, which ele means pushing you down so that they're, they look better amongst the group. Um, because my last experience, the one I shared from when I was at my conference, that was definitely what it was. It was like, here, let's all do this and let's let Amy, Amy's going to look bad. And that's going to make me look better because I pointed it out and I'm pointing out that you all are on my side mm -hmm. and she's wrong. And it, it, it was completely intentioned to make me feel less than all of them, especially the leader of that group. And, um, so I keep going back. It's more about that person wanting to feel special and less about them wanting to make me feel bad. Like, I think they would have done it to anyone else in the same situation as I was in. 
Like if it wasn't me, it would have been someone else and they would have done the same thing to them to make this person feel better about herself. So you're following your great advice of not taking it personally. Yeah, I did. I tried as I'm, as I'm still talking about it. (laughs) Right. It's part of our podcast, Amy. I know, I know, but I did not in the moment, I just did not react, which I will say, I do think that was the ideal of just sitting there, don't reacting, not giving it power, not giving it energy. Like, cause I think when we react, that's the ideal. And also protecting other people from it. If you see it happening, trying to mitigate it as much as possible, which is hard. And ignoring it. So my example of a recent one with women our age, um, I didn't have to do a lot. I just decided not to bite and did my own thing. And what's interesting is you know, a lot of these ladies are super nice ladies. They've kind of broken away and we do other things and they've found other groups. And I think you don't have to go in and say, you know, I'm breaking up this posse, you know, and make it a big dramatic thing, but you're leading by example too. And just by walking away, you're walking away from that group might help somebody else to say next time when they're treated that way to say, leaving the situation. And I'm out. I think it empowers yeah. others to say there's other options out there. And she seems to be perfectly happy outside the circle. So <laughs> right, exactly. And I think that's a huge part of it is just be happy. Surround yourself with people who make you better. Be kind. Don't be mean. Be kind. Yes. Agreed. All right. Well, thanks, Sandy, for the lovely conversation. It's always fun chatting with you. All right. Until next week. All right. Talk to you later.